Well, ciao, date night fam. Tony with beautiful Bree in the house. Ciao? Yeah, well, it means hello, right? I thought it was goodbye. I don't know. Both, <laughs> both maybe. Ciao? Well. Hello, goodbye. Hello, goodbye. Well, we've got a fantastic topic today, something every Christian family mm-hmm. should be thinking about. But before we jump in, I wanted to read a quick review because it's just so kind. Um, this wonderful young lady said, you've been spiritual mentors from afar. I thank God for you both often as your guidance has reshaped my thoughts and my home. Uh, when I was pregnant, I watched Bree's video on FTG, and then I read many of the books she recommended, and it really encouraged me. I can't tell you how grateful I am to have found such godly wisdom through you, Bree. My daughter is now 13 months. I'm a stay-at-home mom who is beyond joyous to raise my daughter in the Lord, and my husband thanks you too. I look forward to every pod that you both do. Wow, what are you trying to do to <laughs> me, my love? It's a beautiful review. Oh, I'm going to be a hot mess before we even start. Thank you so much, dear sister. I am praising God with you, and I'm so thankful to have been saved by such undeserved grace like you. And it's it's really messages like this that show eternal impact that that make us want to keep mm-hmm. serving Him in this unknown and sometimes uncomfortable online world. So <laughs> thank you for listening and taking time to re- leave a review, and I cannot wait to meet you in heaven. Okay. Well, we have a... You guys had your girl talk there. Everyone's all happy, happy, a little tear <laughs> shed. back to the yes. manly talk. We have a good one today, how to prepare the kids and ourselves for Passion Week. And we're praying everyone's Good Friday and Easter are absolutely beautiful days of memorial and celebration. You ready, my love? Yes. Ethan, you ready? Let's roll. How dare you say that to me? <laughs> what did I say? I don't know, but how dare you? Okay. Well, we have a lot, lot, lot to get through today and really want to get to the practical stuff, but we have to lay down a firm foundation first, especially when we're discussing vital doctrines. Can we start with the Advent question? That's so popular right now. Yes, let's get the Advent question out of the way. Uh, One of the questions we'll get often when it comes to Easter is about Advent and whether we participate in the kind of more historic 40 days of preparation for Easter. The short answer to that is no, we don't. And not to say there's a major conviction for us there, it's just not something that we grew up doing. Um, One thing to consider, however, kind of big picture, is that Advent finds its roots around Gregory the Great, who was a leader of the medieval papacy. Um, And that's when the multi-week fasting and rituals of sackcloth and all that started. So it's primarily a Catholic tradition. And obviously there are beautiful portions of liturgy the Protestant church has carried from its more ancient past. So 40 days of prayer, fasting, and reflection is good, so long as it's based in a proper framework of the word. Yes, a new covenant framework. Okay, well, let's build this out today in three sections. Uh, We're going to do the growing evangelical problems surrounding the Easter story. Um, Number two, the theology under girding the Easter story, and then number three, creative ways to guide our kids through the Easter story. I love that you are a pastor yeah, and everything Three goes. points uh, <laughs> in a poem, yes, it. at the end. And all of that with simple terminology. <laughs> we'll try to avoid $10 words um, and lay it out like we're around the dinner table with our little ones, but uh, in the case we crest over into the academic never-never land, and quote, Ethan will warn us somehow and we'll get us back there. Well, that's, oh, that's, that's funny. how he'll warn us <laughs> and try to get us back on track. Okay. Um, So let's start with a few challenges we're facing in evangelical homes, and obviously this is part of the more generalized decline of Christianity's footing in culture and mainline denominations, but I want to stay specific here for the date night family to our evangelical circles, Uh, and I'm just going to call this a general, what I'll call boredom with the cross, and I hope that makes sense, Uh, but it seems like in many evangelical churches and thereby the homes that are attached to them, 
more and more professing Christians have a laissez-faire attitude, mm-hmm. kind of like, hey, it's Easter. I, I know Jesus died for my sins. Let's move on and kind of find some bigger theological hills or cultural hills to, to, to kind of fight for. I agree, because I remember when we were first married, it being at a large, more seeker-sensitive mega church, and people were being called to come forward, and it was often about purpose or God-healing mm-hmm. wounds. Yep. But the more stark and grabbing realities of heaven, hell, sin, wrath, and atonement just weren't a big part of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and more and more, I want to call it just a lack of astonishment mm-hmm. um, with the cross, where we've dumbed down the terms so much. People don't understand them. They don't appreciate them. Uh, and everyone knows where the pulpit goes. The pews will, will surely follow. Amen. So the challenge is obvious. Parents, we're speaking to you. We must make sure that our kids understand the cross. Uh, and not that it's just the top of our priority list. It is the priority list. It's the centerpiece of our list. It encompasses every facet of our faith and theology. And if we lose the significance of the cross, eventually we're going to lose everything else. And we begin to lose the significance of our faith, our faith itself. itself. Exactly. Can I add something there? You can, please. You know, if you are feeling this way, pray. Dive into the word, and I, I can't encourage you enough in in that regards. Because when the kiddos are little, it's it's hard. You're you're used to the day to day, and so right. get on your knees. And we're going to talk about that on Sunday. By the way, awesome. uh, we're going to talk about the fact that part of being filled with the Spirit is being letting the Word of God richly dwell within you. Awesome. So, can I ask you a question? Why aren't preachers talking about the cross, or more boldly preaching the cross? Well, I think the obvious answer, well, number one, there's a whole bunch of answers to that, but one of them is because when we talk about the cross, and and this will force all of us parents to take a hard look in the mirror too, is we're forced to talk about the hard things. Sin, uh, the wrath of God, the holiness of God, God's eternal condemnation and hell of all those who don't repent, and that includes loved ones and even our friends and family, and that gets really raw really quick, and so obviously pulpits are avoiding that, which is sad because that is the gospel, Mm -hmm. but I think also homes tend to avoid it as well. So it's instead of love and all the sentimental gooey stuff. Mm -hmm. and it's fine to focus on the love of God demonstrated at the cross. But if we don't first grasp the wrath of God, not just against sin, but sinners, people, then we'll never grasp the love of God for those sinners. Oh, because we only understand what we're saved to after we understand all that we're saved from. Boom. Until we're confronted with the wretchedness of our sin, we won't be able to rest in His amazing grace. And I think that's why our pulpits and homes need to get more and more honest about the cross and just hold it up and hold up the both the, both the beauty, but also the reality of it as well. Amen, my love. Okay, let's keep the train moving. And we've already hinted on it, but for section two, we're going we're gonna to move from kind of that intro down into a three-minute, I'm going to try to really clarify, three minutes only, deep dive, deep dive. Uh, on Passion Week theology. And so if you want, put it on two times speed, although I would encourage you not to because this is vital, okay? Yes, vital and we are avoiding questions. No, <laughs> no $10 words. Um, I'm assuming everybody knows in the Date Night family uh, kind of the, the, the context for Easter. Jesus came as the Son of God. He lived a sinless life. He died on a cross, was resurrected three days later, and then went back to heaven. Uh, and I am assuming most of our listeners don't buy the Muslim prophet Jesus the Jehovah Witness kind of created being in quote Jesus, the progressive good teacher guru Jesus. All right, so I'm assuming everyone, that's where you're at. Um, If that's the case, we need to also then ask some very sincere questions. What are those sincere questions? I can't answer all of them. Let me give you a few, okay? What really happened on the cross? So just start there. You know, was the death of Jesus kind of a human tragedy, like an unfair murder? Um, Maybe an example of faith or heroic, you know, self-sacrifice, a victory over the devil, um, a moral influence or example, um, Christus Victor, there's all these views. Or was the cross 
cross a ransom? Hmm. Was it a payment for sin, a supernatural act done to satisfy the justice of a holy God? And how we answer those questions, those big questions, is in large part determined or entirely upon our view of the Bible. How so? Well, if the Bible is just a history book, then Jesus' death is merely a natural story of self-sacrifice. Or if the Bible is just narrative without any propositional truth commands, like the progressives say, then Jesus is an important figure, but he has really no no demands on my life. And which one's right? Neither. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the key to understanding the story of the cross and the resurrection is reading how the apostles interpreted the cross and resurrection. You know, an example would be Paul, who wasn't even present when Jesus died, but he tells us the crucifixion was an act on cosmic scale, uh, a drama, a a massive drama of theological redemption. Uh, And for him, the end quote, pivot point in all history. And that's why he never just gave an account of what happened, of what happened, but always set forth the truths about why it happened. Why did these things happen? So that's where the concept of penal substitutionary atonement comes from, where Paul helps us understand the big picture of what happened (laughs) to Calvin. Penal substitutionary? I'm sorry. Sound the alarm. Fancy no, brie. No, dollar word. No. Uh, in, in case you've never heard that term, it just means divine forgiveness is needed to satisfy divine justice. Mm-hmm. So if you have a holy God and he demands something that's pure and righteous, then the only way for a sinful man to get there is going to be if he comes and he pays that price. And if anyone is saying, maybe you're listening, going, well, what difference does it make? There's all mm-hmm. these views. The answer is every difference. Because rejecting the biblical explanation of Christ's sacrifice is rejecting Christ's sacrifice. And rejecting Christ's sacrifice is rejecting Christ. And as you know, to reject Christ is to perish in our sin. And so we must remember here that salvation is what is at stake. Amen. Well, I know we promised no big words, but you did it. So let Uh me just quickly pull a John Murray quote. And if anybody listening wants a book on the atonement, pick this up. It's John Murray's Redemption Accomplished and Applied. Um, And here's just a two-sentence quote with all the $10 words. Uh, He says, quote, "...viewing the cross through sacrifice, then views the atonement from the perspective of guilt." propitiation, big word, from that of wrath, reconciliation from that of alienation, and the work of Christ, not simply as deliverance from lifetime bondage, but in terms of eternal ransom, end quote. I love that. That is so good, but I do have to read that a few times to actually Yes, it's all the $10 words. Mm -hmm. But all he's saying is a proper understanding of Christ's death is Jesus had to die for my guilt. Mm -hmm. He had to take the wrath coming to me. He had to heal the relationship I had broken. And it's not just payment for some short-term illness, it's payment of my eternal slavery to sin. So he's just, he's painting the picture of the ransom and the massive payment that took place yes. at the cross. And what about resurrection? How does that fit? Well, we have to keep it all connected. Jesus lived a sinless life so that we believers could be credited with it. And he died a sinner's death so that we could be purchased by it. And he resurrected from the dead as champion so that we could ever live through it. Mm-hmm. And if there's no resurrection, well, Jesus is just a first century myth. And that means everybody who's died in sin remains in sin, the dead are staying dead, every Bible author was just a fool or fraud, the whole Christian life is a mockery, and you might as well lump us all in with every other cult-following wacko who wasted their life. But Jesus did live, he did die, and he did he rise did. again. As foretold by the prophets, laid out in the scriptures, and that's why, to this podcast, mm-hmm. 2,000 years later, we're sitting here preparing our children to celebrate. Oh, I love it. Well, there's all the foundation material. Ethan, how long did that take for us to go through that? approximately 12, 
ish minutes. Okay, it's not too bad. All right, we're going to slow down a little bit now and talk about the creative stuff. But I hope everyone understands it was important for us to, to really have that in front of us. Because the reality is, is if we get really creative with things that aren't true, we're not helping anybody. Yes, so absolutely. here are some ways we can lay out for parents to bring Passion Week into the home. Are you ready, my love? Yay! And the <laughs> idea is to get as much sound doctrine before the kiddos as possible while doing so in a way that fits their age and stage. So we have a list here, and we will slow down a bit. And there's no rhyme or reason. Uh, we're just going to talk through these and have some fun and maybe do some commentary awesome. on the fly. My Ooh, wife loves that. That is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For Palm Sunday, here's a cute idea. It's having the kids cut up palm branches out of green construction paper and then have them make a little path of honor before dinner and read John 12, verses 12 through 13, discussing how when Jesus lived, people cheered Hosanna for dignitary. I love that. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful picture. Jesus coming down from the Mount of Olives and he's on the donkey and the people are there. I was trying to work out in my own quiet time in my study, you know, how they all got there and why they got there. And obviously he just, he had just healed blind Bartimaeus of his sight after Jericho. And so you have a group that's following him up the hill for the 14 miles or whatever it is. And then you have Lazarus in Bethany where there's this massive miracle. And so you got to assume because it's only a mile or two away that people then ran into Jerusalem because everyone's there for Passover. So you've got what, 70, 80, 90, 100 people following up the hill. You have this miracle in Bethany mm-hmm. and then it runs on Jerusalem. So there's this crowd out there that are thinking, this is it. This mm-hmm. is the Messiah, uh, which would have been quite a scene. Okay. Ooh, I'm going to have, are you willing to do the next one? Cause it's for it's about baking. Sure. You're a good baker, though. Oh, thank you, my <laughs> I love. I don't think no one would. And, know by the that way, I don't think that last one's for teenagers. No. Do not tell your teens you're going to have them cut up palm branches in construction paper. They might that rebel. That will not go yeah. well. <laughs> well, for Holy Monday, you could have the kids join you baking bread and then around dinner discuss Jesus calling himself the bread of life from John 8. Talk about why Jesus used bread as an analogy of what he would offer us for eternity. I like that one. Okay, for Tuesday, I'm going to jump into the mix. You could make an Easter picture tree. Love it. <laughs> if I just... You know, like Charlie Brown Christmas tree? Take a small branch, put it in one of those big ceramic kind of flower pots, and then have your kids look through magazines and cut out different pictures that remind them of Jesus. Light of the world or a roadway. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Or walking on water, like a picture of the ocean. I know then hang the pictures on the little tree and then, you know, do that the rest of the week. That's kind of a cool idea. We used to do something like that for Christmas. Did we? Yeah. I don't remember. Okay, I like this one. On Wednesday, send the kids on an Easter scavenger hunt and have them find items that symbolize different parts of the Easter story, like a rock or two sticks, something black for evil or red for blood, or even white for resurrection or a clean heart. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> okay, Monday, Thursday. Monday? Um, yeah. You may want to do your own drum roll. Foot washing as a family. Pause. Hesitation. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I, I paused on that one. I got to be honest. Grab a bucket, a few towels, read John 13 together, and consider washing each other's feet. You know, there might be a few giggles at first. Um, but, you know, we've had, we've experienced that before, like in college group or youth group or like, yeah, women's, women's ministry. ministry. Mm-hmm. And you were saying earlier that actually that was a positive Very impactful. Mm-hmm. Did you wash or did you get washed? I think we did both. If I See, I remember recall. in college ministry, I did that once. Mm-hmm. I actually had the youth pastor come up. I was an intern. I was speaking and I had him come up and do that. And it was like the first minute or two was uncomfortable, awkward, and kind yes. of funny. But then it got rather serious. It like mm-hmm. really 
settled in what was happening. Mm. Um, so anyway, yeah. something to You know consider. what it was? It was the leaders that washed the feet of those the in people their attending. Yes. Yeah. That's what it was. Okay. Um, other families, this is more for those who are like me and you're not really interested in washing the dirty toe. Um, <laughs> other families may want to visit a park and sit out under the stars, read from Luke 22 about the Garden of Gethsemane. I think that I sounds like incredible. That. Yeah. Because what you're doing is you're really reflecting upon what it was like for Jesus the night before, the idea of sweating blood, the idea of the will of the Father, the idea of the disciples falling asleep, his own men wouldn't be there with them, and just the emotions involved to yes. that. Not just dealing with human suffering, but knowing that you're about to be separated from your Father, or having the wrath of the Father poured down upon you, Isaiah 53, I think that would be kind of a beautiful Saturday, or sorry, Thursday evening. Yes, and I think we as families may not do this enough, just be in God's creation. We're always looking to be entertained. And so I think just being in God's creation, something so beautiful. Well, on Good Friday, we encourage you first Make sure you're going to church. church. But one neat idea is to have the kids make a cross out of wood scraps and have each family member write out a sinful word or attitude or deed that they know makes God unhappy, then fold it and pin it to the cross. And another really fun idea I like is putting a white carnation in a vase, then putting some drops of red food coloring in the water and watch as the carnation turns red over the next couple days and have the kids read from 1 Peter 1 about Jesus being a ransom for many. I absolutely love that one. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for Saturday, take a walk. You could around the neighborhood and see how many signs of new life, because it is spring that you see. Uh, maybe have all the kids bring a little tablet or a little piece of paper, and then just write down or color pictures of things that they see, and then head back to the house for a dessert or something, and read about how Jesus makes all things new in 1 Corinthians 15, for example. I love that, more getting outside. And for Easter, there are a few good ideas. One I've done over the years is having the kids do a little Easter egg hunt, but instead of candy, inside is the Easter story, and they help me put it in order and the last egg is empty and we discuss how Jesus is in heaven. That's I remember, always fun. Yes, yep. we did this so many Easter's so many years. when I'd you were working. I'd get home from church mm-hmm. or something. I have to stay late and then I'd get in and you guys were finishing up and yep. then they get to the last egg and it's empty. <laughs> okay, so obviously on Easter, make sure you go to church. Um, one last idea is read Matthew 27, for example, uh, and have one of the kids, and by the way, this is my favorite one out of all of them. I don't know, I just, so exciting. Have one of the kids volunteer to wrap up in toilet paper. Now, before you think I'm crazy, it's like grave clothes, you know, picture Lazarus or picture Christ um, and just, you know, have the kid get all wrapped up in toilet paper, have the other kids and the family members do it. They're going to be giggling a little bit. Um, But then at the end, have them break free from the paper and then sit around and talk about how sad the disciples must have been all day Saturday. And we really need to understand how sad they were. Mm -hmm. They were not only sad, they were fearful, they were scared. Everything in their entire life had just imploded and collapsed around them. But how joyful and how stunned and overwhelmed they would have been that Sunday morning when Jesus conquered death. Mm, I think Zeke would really like that <laughs> I was just year. thinking that, absolutely. I love that. just that. fits him. Yes. Well, there are a thousand more ideas. In fact, uh, if you want, if you go online, you can just scroll through Google and you'll find so many great ideas to bring the Passion Week into your home. But let me reiterate where we began. The most important thing is good theology. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much we put before our kids or how creative we are if it's not the truth. So make sure, please, family, that the Passion Week you're putting in front of your kids is the true Passion Week. A holy God, sinful men, a sacrificial Savior who came and took God's wrath, paying the price for all who would repent and believe, and then get creative and pour those truths into your kiddos all week long. Anything you want to add, my love? Ooh, just to make sure you're in a good church that's teaching all of that too, because there's nothing more important than having a community of faith that's doctrinally sound. Mm -hmm. So your kids grow up hearing truth and hearing it taught consistently. 
beautifully said, my love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're approaching our High Holy Week, where we join saints past and present in your praise. And we want our children to see the truth, the truth of their great sin and the truth of an even greater Savior. So please help us this week to ground our faith upon Christ and to pass that faith in Christ down to our kids. For their great good and your eternal glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Day Night fam, we are so thankful for you. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe and be sure to check out our other resources at forthegospel.org. We will be back in 168 short hours. Until then, keep living for the gospel and fighting for the family. Mm